Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is our show for the Belmont at Aqueduct carryover of Thursday, October 27th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital. I have left the Brooklyn bunker. I have arrived in Lexington, hanging out in the, uh, the, 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 the lovely Chevy Chase neighborhood down here with, uh, with, with the, the family bell. I really need a, a name for this room because I've done plenty of shows from here. Had the pleasure of catching up with Sean Borman last night, talked to him about some of the Breeders' Cup coverage we're going to be doing over on uh, the In The Money Plus side and just on the regular InTheMoneyPodcast.com. And from that same website now, we bring you in the man who we turn to for all things related to the Naira circuit, among other stuff, but very excited to get his thoughts on this carryover, two-day carryover, I should say. Nick Tamaro, what's going on? I'm doing great, Pete. Ready for a big start to the week at at uh, Royal Aqueduct and the weekend and everything on the horizon. When we're taping this, it's actually Wednesday morning. So we're waiting on uh, pre-entries for the Breeders' Cup today. So a lot to look forward to. Yeah, I'm going to have a special show. It'll be up. Uh, the, the other show, I'll probably have two shows up by the time this one goes up. It's going to be a busy day. I'll be doing some recording over there from Keeneland. And one that I'm really looking forward to, uh, Vanessa Ryle from Sky Sports Racing and I are going to be going over just a high level view of the international contenders. Once we have those breeders cup pre entries, we'll have Nick luck. Who's done this show with me in the past on to do something else. We, we, we've been trying to get in touch with Nick. He's, he's hard to reach in Australia with some seriously dodgy hotel Wi-Fi. but uh, Vanessa agreeing to pinch in for that show and, and her insights are fantastic. So that should be a good one. Um, you can find that on the YouTube channel, also in the podcast feed, etc but you nick a uh, t- bit of a birthday festival you're in the middle of yeah the little one's turning three tomorrow so we had her party on sunday and tomorrow's the actual day so we're gonna do uh the usual with her which is we take her to the zoo and we go out to dinner and she'll have a little as much fun as a three-year-old can have <laughs> that's fantastic yeah we had uh we, we we really enjoy those those days so for the party on sunday were you like making balloon animals were you like getting after it and all oh no no my wife handled all that very adequately she was ready ready to roll we had a whole uh whole setup so my responsibility was food and drinks and i know that everybody was well fed and well watered so <laughs> and not just water so that that worked out great <laughs> let's talk about this big six we start on Thursday in race number four, 212 Eastern, the scheduled post time. We begin on the dirt for fillies and mares in the allowance ranks. We're going one mile. How are we going to light this candle? You know, this is a particularly tough race. I really don't, I don't love the horse I picked at all, but I think it's a matter of kind of choosing the least of all equals and uh, least of all evils, I should say. Maybe equals works too. Um, <laughs> and I, I went to the six self-isolation mainly because her last two dirt races, if you isolate them, they're just better than most of the dirt races anybody in here has run. I know she got kind of a soft lead last time out. Now in the care of David Jacobson, I'm wondering if something similar could happen this time around. There's really not very much speed at all. And Jose Ortiz is, is at his best when he rides aggressively. So if he puts her on the lead, I think she becomes pretty dangerous. It's cold into hair is, uh, is in many ways the horse to beat, given how well she ran a couple of times against three other than company over the winter. Now comes back off a layoff. I, I don't know whether routing or um, or sprinting is her best best uh, preference but I do know that Linda Rice is very good off the layoff and dirt routes nearly a break even ROI and a 25% strike rate so 
those two made the most sense to me. I could back up with the one and two um, because Sweet Wilhelmina, I thought, ran well two starts back in uh, in a tough mile in an eighth race at Saratoga. And uh, Scott Lakewell, with a relatively limited sample, he does have three wins from 16 starters at uh, Naira facilities over the last five years on the dirt. So I can make enough of a case there. I would agree. And you mentioned two of the, one, the two that I wanted to talk about. I agree about not trusting self-isolation. You mentioned the soft trip last time. I think she could get a pretty soft trip this time as well. I, I just couldn't look past her as the, the top pick in here, albeit one where I'd be happy to have some alternatives. And I thought Sweet Wilhelmina might have the best chance to run her down in terms of being forwardly positioned and you know, you made you made the you made the case and, and the lake stat and Carmouche and the Irons are both things I think could be a positive for this Philly. I was gonna try to get out six and one, but I, I don't mind your ideas at all about using the I might put the two and the three on the backup line to get a little bit more coverage going forward with this big carryover on Thursday at Belmont at the big A. Leg B, stay in the allowance ranks, move on to the turf. Uh, we're going a mile this time, and I, I kind of like the horse in here. The five shadow Sphinx looks particularly strong to me, getting back to a distance he likes off the claim for Maker. And I just thought the last race was better than it looked. This horse stuck on pretty well against the flow, and I think it's going to be going from what appeared to be a negative setup last time to a much better setup this time with plenty of speed involved. I think I'll back up with number three, Wooten Asset, another horse I think should get a favorable situation Put in a nice late run last time, second off the layoff here, and also the second start as a gelding. So I was going to play the pace to come back in this spot. How did you see it, Nick? Yeah, I felt similarly. I thought the the way that you could uh, you could play that was with Wooten Asset because I thought you know the first thing I wrote in the, the first page of my my racing form is that there's plenty of pace. Um, Wooten Asset, the runner up from his last race, decorated Invader, also came back and won a race at Woodbine on Sunday. So it's a productive race thus. As, as it seems thus far and he did get into some i don't know if you want to call it traffic but he couldn't quite hold his position between horses late that's why he got steady but he ran very well for a horse off a long layoff that was not a particularly fast pace in that race but boy did it collapse i mean it really really came apart this is a horse who's shown some talent i think since day one over here and uh, that's enough to give him extra consideration shadow sphinx absolutely getting back to the right trip and it's an interesting claim though i don't know I've, I became hip to it a few years ago. Mike Maker's not very good off the claim. Um, his horses generally do better with time. But first off the claim, in turf routes in New York, he's 11% with a 105 ROI. Now, I wonder if that is also dependent on the type of horses he's claiming and whether he's really claiming with a great amount of intent, which it seems like he is in this case. And the fact that this horse has worked two bullets since then, that's always the maker telltale sign that, that a horse is, is rounding into form, in my opinion. So I have no argument with Shadow Sphinx at all. Um, Advanced Strategy is a horse who I wanted to use a little bit as well. He has knocked on the door a couple of times with some good efforts and most recently ran, I think, a better race than it looks on paper in the Ashley T. Cole, given the way that race sort of unfolded pace-wise. It, it was a, a quick pace and and things kind of came apart late. I thought he stayed on well, all things considered, at a mile and an eighth, and I think going the mile is really going to help his chances. So I wanted to use him as well. I'll use those three mainly. I'll back up with Ocean Atlantique and uh, just try and get through. Ocean Atlantique, you think, chance to prove the best of the speeds in this spot. I was considering backing up with either Call Me Harry or Ocean Atlantique just on the idea that you figure they'll probably still be in the hunt there at the pace call. 
Yeah, I, I think that that Ocean Atlant Ocean Atlantique is a better horse than Call Me Harry. Now, Call Me Harry's about as dressed up as a horse could be. But um, but yeah, that was kind of the thought. Maybe he'll survive the pace and, and you know be there to battle away in the in the final furlong. All right, let's continue with race number six, where we've got these two-year-old maiden New York breads going six furlongs on the dirt and a field of 10 going postward. Nick, we'll keep it with you. Yeah, so back on the 29th of September, there were a couple of two-year-old races for New York breads, and it seemed like on paper and on the racetrack, the fifth was the stronger of the two. The only strength in the ninth that day was the name of the second horse. And um, and I think that that'll play out here with a, with a number of these horses running back, including the four inspector and the uh, 10 don't lose cruise. So the 10 is going to be a prohibitive favorite. He's going to be a horse that I think that a lot of people really hone in on as their uh, their single in this sequence because it is a very challenging slate. But I think you're supposed to take a contrarian's approach and bet inspector. Because Inspector broke from the rail last time out. He didn't get out of the gate all that great. He ended up having to try and rally around the outside. He was 7-2 to two in a big field. That was one a race that was won by Canarsie. No denying Don't Lose Cruz is clearly the horse to beat. But to me, you just take those two and you hope that Inspector takes the step forward second time out um, that you'd expect for a barn that historically has done very well with second-time starters in addition to doing very well with firsters. And that's really where you can create some value in the sequence, in my opinion. I don't see anybody else really capable of winning. I won't back up with anybody else, just four and ten, and a slight nod to the four. Maybe a slight win bet, too, if we can get that seven to two or so. I saw it exactly the same way, absolutely reading from my notes on this one. Just the the obvious four and ten, the four just on price, potentially the more interesting one. And I, you know, caught a lot of money on debut, had a very tricky draw, um, ran okay, and a horse that's just supposed to improve and can maybe improve past the 10. And yeah, I, did, I was just going to try to get out with those two and see if we could uh, make the magic happen in race number six. Race seven, turf allowance runs. Once again, we're going six furlongs. We've got a big full field in this spot. I had a few ideas, none of which I'm entirely happy with. I ended up putting Ranger Fox on top, who I thought had a chance to be the best speed signed on, maybe set for a peak effort in the third race off the layoff. I didn't love the last race, but I, I just circled around and ended up throwing my dart here. Number 11, Thin White Duke, a horse that I'm a big fan of, obviously, owned by our man uh, in partnership, Steve Christ. And this horse has really good stakes for him, getting back on Lasix after the unfavorable situation last time out. Just too, too good form and figures and class to ignore. And Fauci, I thought, needed to be included as well. This horse has formed the ties in very closely with Thin White Duke. Very consistent, better drawn than Thin White Duke today. 4, 11, and 8, but I'm honestly very much open to expanding past those three. I had a little trouble with this race, Nick. What did you think? Yeah, this is a really, really tough race, and, and ultimately, I was looking for a horse that might slide under the radar because it feels like the horses that are going to be bet, you know, they we know their form pretty well, um, and, I, and I went and watched in the Arctic, and I, I couldn't really... I couldn't really believe the ride that Noble Emotion got. Um, it, it was it was not impressive. And aside from breaking from the rail and, and not really breaking perfectly, um, his rider just made a series of bad decisions given the way that race was unfolding. And so I have to give him another chance with Jose Ortiz getting back in the irons. This horse has been at his best with Jose right from the start, going really all the way back to 
the middle of his four-year-old season when uh, when Horacio DePaz got him. So I picked him. Um, all the horses you mentioned I have in the mix, um, including Thin White Duke. I worry a tad that Thin White Duke really came to life in Saratoga, as some horses do. But I don't want to hold his last race against him. I think Maxwell Esquire is interesting as well, coming back from Kentucky Downs. He's always been at his best around six furlongs, and I think he'll get a decent enough setup. The horse that's going to be bet that I really don't love is Turn of Events. So I kind of want everybody else that makes sense, the 1, 3, 4, and 11, and, a, and an even a little bit of Fauci if you could afford it, um, because I just don't think Turn of Events is a six furlong horse, and I think he'll really have to hustle to get there. You're also going to have to take kind of a shorter price than you'd want to with Irad and the Irons, but uh, I think it's a good opportunity to create some value in the sequence for sure, and, and we definitely will if Noble Emotion can get that good trip stalking the pace on the inside. That was my question. I wasn't exactly sure what kind of trip Noble Emotion was going to get. I, I wouldn't mind them just sending, honestly, from there. It's not like Ranger Fox. like Ranger Fox is some runaway speed horse. Yeah. So I, if, if I if I knew Jose was going to send or at least at least send to get position and let the race unfold, I just was – you make a good point, though. The best form is with Ortiz up. I think I need to put Noble Emotion in, in the mix as a backup, as the other horse, because then I think you'll have the best speed between the one and the four, and then you'll have those closers to come running, and I think that puts you in a, in a decent situation to get through and survive in this pick six carryover to race number eight, which is a starter allowance for fillies and mares going seven furlongs on the dirt. How shall we get through this leg, my friend? Well, this one's a little tricky. I'm going to try and get through with two numbers total, um, and I picked the five Mia be a star. I, I don't want to be accused of being president of the Randy Persaud fan club, but I'll take it. Um, I thought that she had everything, everything kind of work against her last time out. She was wide. That was a day I thought where it was beneficial to be inside. All the running in that race took place on the inside. And, you know, I don't want to spend any time dumping on a mean Castillo, but let's just say this is an enormous rider upgrade. And we saw Eric Canselgan on a horse that Amin Castillo had ridden a few times before on Saturday and ended up winning at 19 to one. Javier Castellano and Eric Cancel share the same agent. It's obvious that that PJ Campo works well with with Randy Persaud and Mia Biastar is probably a horse that has always wanted to sprint. That's probably her best trip. She felt like the interesting price. Know it all, Audrey is the horse to beat. But you know, is this a situation where you really want to take six to five on a horse that's two for eleven, and now trying to run back to a big effort first off to claim from a guy like Rob Atris? So um, that's why I'll use both, but I'll definitely be betting Mia Biastar. This is another uh, stealing each other's email type of a of a race. I I put know it all Audrey on top just on I mean just numbers you know just just seems like a horse that's going to be a big favorite who should get a good trip and make sense in the spot. But I but I agree exactly about Mia be a star and just just a horse that's better than she looks on form. Looking at these last few races, I thought the rail was worth something on October 9th. She was wide throughout. I like the jockey uh, upgrade, as you point out. A couple other, you know, trips and being on unfavorable parts of racetracks potentially in there. Just enough excuses that I definitely thought I was being clever mentioning Mia be a star. And you, you go one better and put right on top. But we're with the same numbers there. Uh, one five for me, five one for you. Let's talk about this nightcap, the pay leg in this pick six carryover, two-year-old maiden New York breads on the grass. We're going a mile and a 16th. How are we going to get paid? 
you know, what you've got to do here is figure out what you want to do with the race that the 1, 6, and 7 come out of, which was the 5th on September 16th, where Provision was 4-5 to five and, and really had no excuse whatsoever in finishing 2nd. The thrill of victory really made the only off-the-pace move that day, and I thought improved enough from his debut to indicate that he might have another forward move in him, especially coming back with a quick workout. I thought Barry the Builder ran better with more aggressive tactics, but he didn't do anything that made me feel all that convinced. So I I kind of would probably just use provision and and the thrill of victory. Um, It's all coming together was, was three to two second time out after a brutal trip on debut, but it looks like the Phil Serpy magic is gone. Um, He's, he's winless at the meet and, and is struggling mightily. Uh, the firsters here really don't look like an impressive lot whatsoever. The horses moving to turf really have no pedigree. So I have a hard time finding anybody else. I'm just going to try and take, I guess, what looks relatively obvious. I can't, I was, I never give out five horses in a race, but I'm going to, I'll try to grade them into A's and B's here. I did put provision on top. Um, I just, I, it wasn't the greatest finish in the last run. There's, there's, there's no doubt about that, but I also didn't think the horse was in the greatest position early in that race. So I was willing to give a little bit of, of, of forgiveness more so than you based on the trip. And and we'll see if provision can do anything, anything better this time around. I agree. If you're going to use the six, you're probably supposed to have the one in the mix. And then just some other guesses. If you want to go a little bit deeper, um, Barry, the builder showed speed improved last time. The final number was still okay. I just like that as a sign of a horse who might be able to make another step forward. You you made the point about the Serpe Barn, but uh, it's all coming together. The eight, just a horse that looks the kind of horse that when this race is over, if I look down in my PP and if I saw had one, I would have uh, I, I would be no not surprised at all, and just felt like a horse to potentially keep in the mix on this uh, on on the stretch out. Maybe we'll end up not needing the same kind of punch that uh, that he lacked last time. And then just a guess on Firsters based on Clement's record and the Army Mule stats with Royal Fox Hills. So, yeah, 6, 10, 7, 8, and 1, not exactly helping you out too much there. But, but for me, it's just a spot where I'm going to try to get alive to as many of those as possible from those couple of legs where I actually do have strong opinions. We'll see how it plays out, Nick, tomorrow. Any closing thoughts before we get out of here? No, fun little sequence, and hopefully we'll see. Uh, we'll have a few good ideas. Wouldn't be shocked if if this thing goes another day. But, uh, you know, I think it's, it, it provides an opportunity. If it does, we will certainly reconvene. Going to be hearing a lot more from Nick. Nick's going to be doing a bunch of stuff on the late week show. I'll be on there a little bit as well. Excited to talk to Edison Hatter, actually. That's my next interview edison going to be talking me through breeders crown action that's going to be happening this weekend but nick will be guesting in the chair for uh, the keeneland friday show and for most of the saturday segments appreciate you doing that appreciate you doing this appreciate all the work you do over at in the money nick will be talking soon sounds great my friend talk soon that's going to do it for this edition of the show thank you nick thank you to our friends over at uh, naira and naira bets this uh, they still have a, a basic sign up bonus you can get involved in nairabets.com. And if you want to follow the America's Day at the Races coverage, we have created a nice little pretty link in the moneypodcast.com slash TV so you can see which of the family of networks 
You can catch uh, JK and Acacia and Maggie and everybody else over there. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Ginchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos. <laughs>